All right. Uh, welcome again. I'm Pastor Brian Foreman. For those of you that are watching or, or listening online, maybe even not live, and are uh, just picking up at this point in the service, welcome. And we would encourage you to check in, download our app, or go to cornerstonenh.org slash here to check in. And we will be able to stay in touch with you and encourage you along the way. We are in the middle of a series called Reboot. And Reboot has started at the end, at the beginning of this year and will go to about Easter. And it's in two different phases, which are indicated by that kind of tagline, fresh perspectives and clean slates. So far in this series, I've been trying to present Fresh perspectives, things that uh, are a different way of looking thing, at things, different way of thinking about things that will be transformational if you apply it. From now to Easter, I'm going to shift and we're going to be talking about clean slates, fresh starts. And the way that we're going to be talking about that is by looking at different interactions that Jesus had with different people and seeing how encountering Jesus total, totally transformed and totally changed the trajectory of their lives. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, to kind of set this up, yesterday I was listening to uh, somebody preaching and teaching, and they uh, went to this uh, verse within Hebrews chapter 11. Some of you will know that Hebrews chapter 11 is kind of the um, hall of fame of faith. And it's talking about all these different things that God did with people through and because of their faith. And it comes to this point. This is verse 34 in the chapter. says, their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Now, my attention zeroed in on, focused on one word in that, became became. And the reason that that stood out to me, the reason that that kind of like was flashing in neon lights to me was that throughout this whole uh, hall of fame of people of faith, it shows that they might not have started out that way. They might have been weak. They might have been doubting. They might have been far away from God. But at some point in their lives, God got a hold of them and they became something that they were not before. They became something that they were not before. Their weakness turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. The idea is that you can change, and in fact, no one is beyond change. In this message, which I've called Released, we're really asking this question, and that is, is there any such thing as too far gone? Is there any person that is beyond hope? Is there any circumstance that can't be turned around? And what we're going to look at today is one of the most extreme circumstances that a person could find him or herself in and see how an encounter with Jesus totally changed the trajectory, the outlook of that person's life simply because they encountered Jesus. And if you look at this person and what they were facing and the difficulties and challenges that they were having, and you can see how 
an encounter with Jesus turn their life around, then you will know, okay, well, maybe it's not as bad as I thought. Maybe, maybe there is hope for me. Maybe there is hope for this person. Maybe there is a possibility that this circumstance can turn around. We're going to ask the question, is there any such thing as too far gone? And what we're going to be talking about today is actually evil. And what we will see here through this story, through this encounter that Jesus has with this person, Jesus' power sends evil packing. Jesus' power sends evil packing. Now, within that, there is great hope. Within that, there is the possibility of transformation. That no matter what you are facing, no matter how insurmountable the barriers may seem, that Jesus has power that is sufficient for the task. And in particular, you can be facing evil, not just bad circumstances, not just bad luck, not just unfortunate happenstances, not just a person that is irritating. You can be facing true, personal, powerful evil, but with Jesus, he can send that evil packing. His power can send evil packing. So, here are the points. I'm just going to give them to you in overview. Don't worry about trying to write them down. We will come back to it. I want you to know that evil spirits are real and personal, that evil spirits are dangerous and destructive, and that evil spirits know who Jesus is and that he will defeat them. Again, don't worry if you didn't catch those. We'll come back to those. So the application step is going to be this to say yes, to surrender to the, 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 the overwhelming, undefeatable power of Jesus in the person of his spirit, and you won't have to worry about evil spirits. So let's look at it together. We're looking at Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. This uh, incident actually, we think, occurs and is recorded in three out of the four Gospels. Uh, all of them are good. This is the one we're going to be looking at today. And I'm going to do this a little bit differently than I usually do. Usually I just read through the passage straight, but because it's a longer passage and because I'm not going to necessarily cover every single verse and every single part of it, I might throw in a little bit of the explanatory, explanatory comments that will help you to understand uh, in the middle of that, and then we'll come back and get the main parts. So I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, this is Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. So they, Jesus and the disciples, arrived at the other side of the lake. Jesus has been going around the lake, uh, Lake Galilee, which is in the northern part of Israel. A lot of the, uh, the ministry at, of Jesus was happening in that northern part of Israel at the time. He crosses the lake into the region of the Gerasenes. Now, the Gerasenes is on the east side of the Lake of Galilee. It's a part of the Decapolis, which means literally the 10 cities. This is a more Gentile, Hellenized uh, area, as opposed to the place on the other side of the lake where Jesus uh, was uh, raised and where most of his ministry happened, which was more traditionally Jewish. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from a cemetery to meet him. 
This man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. Verse 7, with a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send him to some distant place. Verse 11. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us to those pig, into those pigs, they, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Verse 14, the herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Those who who had seen then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon possessed man and the pigs and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone verse 18 as Jesus was getting into the boat a man who had been demon the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him but Jesus said no go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns, the Decapolis, of that region, and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed at what he told them. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have preserved in your word this account of your power over evil. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through this today and that every one of us will hear exactly what we need to hear from your word today, hear from your spirit. And Lord, give us ears to hear and feet that are quick to obey, to respond in faith and obedience to what we hear. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's look at it together again. In this passage, you can see that there is no one who is too far gone because Jesus' power is sufficient to send evil packing. First thing I want you to note is that evil spirits are real 
and personal. Evil spirits are real and personal. Now, I recognize that in our time and place, in our world, this is not always taken for granted. That the idea that there is a personal devil, that there are evil spirits or demons is sometimes looked down upon. However, it's important for us to realize that that is the case because otherwise we will be fighting the wrong battles. Let me illustrate through a personal uh, experience that I had. A lot of you know that I had open heart surgery about five years ago. And up until that point, I had never had to take any kind of medications or any kind of prescriptions or anything like that. And then all of a sudden, they start getting prescribed right and left. At the same time, I was also dealing with another issue with my foot, and I was prescribed medication for that. And at the same time, I started having serious problems with my stomach. So I thought, because I had never been on medication before, that I was probably having some kind of reaction to the medication that I was taking. So as a result of that, I was talking to the doctor. We were trying to figure out, okay, can I take this alternate medication? Can I do this? Can we adjust that? And through this whole process, uh, I was still having this issue. And I was like, oh no, I, this, this is not gonna work for me to be sick to my stomach for the rest of my life. We have to figure out something else. Then I noticed something that was a little bit interesting. There were two episodes where, two little time periods of time where I was not having those problems and I started thinking about it and I didn't really quite figure it out, but I knew that there was something and it wasn't the medication because I was still taking the same medication. I was still going through the same stuff, but I wasn't having that problem. So went to a GI specialist. They started talking to me about my diet and different things I could do, took some tests. Within a couple of days, I got a call back explaining that I had developed an allergy that I had not had before and that was what was causing my problems. It wasn't the medication at all. It was this allergy that I had developed. Now, why do I tell you that? Because it illustrates the idea that we, that my, my healthcare providers, my, my, uh, my approach was, was aimed at was figure, was focused on a pro, uh, this, what I thought was the source of the problem, which was actually not the source of the problem at all. And until we addressed the source of the problem, that solution was never going to present itself. That is what can happen in the spiritual realm as well. If we rule out an entire category of the source of many problems, evil in our world, evil, personal, real spirits, then we are going to, by default, focus on other stuff that may or may not be the actual problem. Now, in the scriptures, you will see a variety of, of issues that Jesus dealt with and healed, including physical problems, mental problems, and spiritual problems. And sometimes they get all kind of mixed up together. Sometimes they're very distinct. But the issue is that there are there are physical problems. There are mental 
problems. There are spiritual problems. And if you rule out one of those, you're going to be constantly fighting the wrong battles. Evil spirits are real and personal, and it's important to understand that. So it starts out, Mark chapter 5, verse 2, Jesus climbed out of the boat. A man possessed by an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Now, the other um, uh, kind of along the same lines of why this is important, there's a, a great quote from C.S. Lewis. It's at the, in, I believe, the introduction to the Screwtape Letters, where he says this, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race, the human race, can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. And what we want to do is avoid both of those extremes. Uh, Because as he goes on to say, they themselves, talking about the evil spirits, are equally pleased by both errors, both ignoring it or having an unhealthy interest in them. And hail, welcome, a materialist or a magician with the same delight. Materialist, their perspective is there is nothing but what you can see, feel, and touch. Nothing but the material is real. There is no spiritual world. The magician is attributing everything to the spiritual. So we don't want to make either of those errors. So it's important to address but not get completely wrapped up in it. So it says, this is the alt- an alternate translation, because I want to point this out. As soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs. This is the Christian Standard Bible. It's a more tr- literal translation. The reason I wanted to point out that is, I just learned this week, the idea or the, the phrasing of possessed by a demon does not show up in the Bible. They either have a demon or are demonized. The idea of being possessed by a demon, that particular phrasing is something that came out later. Now, the New Living Translation uses that because that's a common understanding. But I wanted to point out a more literal translation. It just says, with an unclean spirit. The idea there is there are are good spirits like angels from God, there are unclean evil spirits that are in opposition to God. And, and there's a lot of debate sometimes about possession by evil spirits, but that, again, that phrase doesn't even show up in the Bible. What is clear is that there are evil spirits that can have an unhealthy and destructive influence on a person that are not from God. If it says unclean, then that's not from God. But Jesus' power can send those evil spirits packing, which is helpful for us to know because not only are they real and personal, they are dangerous and destructive as well. You see this uh, in Mark 5, 5, where it says, day and night, he wandering, wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. In the Talmud, which is Jewish commentary on the scriptures that was developed after the Hebrew Bible was, was put together, it talks about this and says that there are, they, they observe four things that, that uh, people who were demonized or had an unclean spirit would do. They would uh, destroy things that were given to them, would have an 
uh, unnatural, almost supernatural strength to them sometimes, would uh, sometimes sleep on graves. And what was the fourth thing? I forget which ones I mentioned already, but it's all, the bottom line is it all shows up in this passage. It's uh, an alternate personality. There's unusual strength. There's this obsession with death and just a destructiveness. You can't give them anything because they will destroy it. That's what was observed. And we see the same thing back up a little bit in time to the New Testament times with Jesus. And in particular, you see that he's cutting himself with sharp stones. The whole idea of self-destruction. When Jesus was accused of being in league with the devil and that that's how he cast out demons, he said, that doesn't even make sense. He says, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. And before that, he says, the enemy is there to steal, kill, and destroy. When um, Jesus was uh, facing down the Pharisees, they, they were trying to murder him, and they were claiming to be the sons of Abraham. He said, you're not sons of Abraham, or else you wouldn't be trying to murder me. You're sons of your father, the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning. He's always out to kill and destroy and to harm And so whenever you encounter this, whenever you hear voices in your head that tell you that life is not worth living, that you are trash, that you shouldn't be alive, that you should just hurt yourself, these are the voice of the enemy of your soul, and he's a liar. He is a liar and has been from the beginning. We see this in the self-destructiveness of of this uh, man. Now, let's back up a little bit to the Old Testament. In Leviticus, it says, Do not defile yourselves by turning to mediums or those who consult spirits of the dead. I am the Lord your God. I highlighted the word defile there because what it literally says is do not make yourself unclean. Where have we heard unclean before? It was an unclean spirit, right? So this is the practical side of it. There there are two powers, two supernatural powers. There is good power that is supreme and is personalized in God. There is evil, destructive power, which is personalized in the person of the devil, not equal to God, subject to God, but in opposition and rebellion to God. Since there are only two separate oppositional forces of spiritual power, what the scriptures do is let us in on a little secret. There are some things that are from God and some things that are not in the spiritual realm. And so when it's not from God, when he says stay away from these things, what is he saying? Those are from the enemy. Those are things to stay away from. Those are things that will destroy you and are destructive. So here, what's it saying? And this, this is important for us because sometimes even Christians play around with evil thinking it's not a big deal. Oh, it's just for fun. It's just, it's just a horoscope. It's just a spiritist. It's just, it's just fun. It's just for, for entertainment. No, it's opening yourself up to destruction and evil. 
And this is what it's talking about. So what are the kinds of things they were warned about? Mediums, those who consult the spirits of the dead. In Deuteronomy, when, the, when Moses is expanding upon this, he's, it says, when you enter the land the Lord your God has given you, be very careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. And then he's going to list these customs that you have to avoid. Now, uh, it, it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of stark the contrast here, but I want you to see all these things that are in this list so that it will make sense why uh, why I'm so serious about some of these other things. What does it start out with? For example, never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering, right? I mean, none of us probably were tempted about that. You know, none of us had any question about, would it be okay? Would, they, would this be all right? No, we, we, we're, we're pretty clear on this. But this is only the first thing in this list. What are the other things that he says, be careful, stay away, these are evil, and do not let your people practice fortune-telling or use sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics or call forth the spirits of the dead. So it's all of this stuff, and it's all wrapped up in one big ball of destructive evil. So stay away from it. There, there are probably some who might be watching, listening here right now, have to do a little bit of cleaning out in habits, or maybe in, there's some things that you have around the house that you thought, oh, this is harmless. It needs to be cleared out because you open yourself up to destruction and evil, and the Lord wants to spare you from that. So uh, remember I told you about that passage? Well, here's the end of it. Uh, Jesus confronting the Pharisees when he lies talking about the enemy it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and father of lies he's going to tell you it's not a big deal he's going to tell you don't believe all that silly foolishness stuff and he's going to say it's it's not a big deal when you lie you know it, sometimes it's it's helpful to kind of smooth things out a little bit or make life a little bit easier no lies of every sort are from the pit of hell and smell like smoke don't just don't, don't open yourself up to that. So Jesus' power is sufficient to send evil packing. Lastly, the evil spirits know this, know who Jesus is and that he will defeat them. They know who Jesus is and that he will defeat them. Let's look at it. What, uh, now, when you see what the evil spirits say to Jesus at first in this passage, it's a little bit hard to understand. It's talking about sending, don't, don't send me to the abyss, don't send me away. I looked at the message translation and it brought it out in a little bit different way than I had understood it before. So I share it with you in hopes that it might be helpful as well. Uh, these are the words of the, of the uh, person who has the evil spirit. What business do you have, Jesus, son of the most high God? Again, highlighting, they know who he is, messing with me. I swear to God, don't give me a hard time. In other words, stay away from me. Don't, don't mess with me. He's, it's almost this like um, rebellious, unsubmitted spirit saying, don't mess with me. But he also knows that Jesus has the power to do with him whatever he likes. So it says, send us into the pigs. 
the spirits begged. Let us enter them. I want you to notice, what, what is it saying? Let us, give us permission. The spirits, the evil spirits have to ask Jesus permission. He is more powerful than they. This is highlighted again in the next verse where it says, so Jesus gave them permission. The spirits recognize who he is and they know, as Jesus does, that they are under his authority whether they like it or not. And so he gave them permission and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Now, some of the questions that came to my mind were like, what's the big deal about being cast out of the man and not having a place to go? So in my studies, it was suggested that, and this makes perfect sense to me, maybe this is it, maybe not, but it makes good sense to me. Evil spirits want to destroy and kill and steal. They are out to do harm. And the way that they do that is through their influence in and through other people or animals in this case. So for them, it was preferable to leave the man and go into the herd of pigs because then they could continue with the destruction and death. And we see that exactly. You have, you have some question about, and this is part of what they think is going on here. Remember the gospel of Mark is mostly Peter's preaching recorded by Mark, we think in the city of Rome. And again, from my studies this week, it was understood by the Romans that there were different kinds of spirits, but they weren't necessarily convinced that they were all evil. So in this preaching of Peter recorded by Mark, of what Jesus did, it's showing that, look, these spirits, they are out to kill, steal, and destroy. And if they can't do it with people, they'll do it with animals, but they're begging to be able to continue to destroy and kill. And that's what's happening here. And then the other thing is that we see that there was this herd, this huge herd, 2,000 animals, and the whole herd was in essence demonized and then destroyed, showing that the demons weren't kidding when they said legion. There were a lot. It was an evil mob that was living in this guy. And they wanted to kill, steal, and destroy. And if they weren't going to be allowed to do it with him, they would do it anywhere that they could. So naturally, a crowd gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons, had been, past tense, transformed. A person who couldn't be controlled and couldn't be helped. Now he is sitting there fully clothed, perfectly sane, and it scared them out of their wits. But it's just a reminder that Jesus' power is sufficient. His power can send evil packing. There is no one who is beyond hope, no one who is too far gone. And we know that because here was a guy who had no hope and no future, and it's totally transformed by Jesus. So Jesus' power sends evil packing. We know from this story that evil spirits are real and personal. 
And we need to take that into account or else we'll be fighting the wrong battles and at the mercy of spirits that want to kill, steal, and destroy. They do that because that's in their nature. Evil spirits spirits are dangerous and destructive. But the good news, evil spirits know who Jesus is and that he will defeat them. So how do we practically apply this? How can we take what we've learned and what we've heard and, and put it in our lives so that we are better at life and, and making better choices and doing, doing things that are going to be helpful to us? In the same way that evil spirits want to influence you for evil and for destruction and for death, your heavenly Father wants to send his spirit so that you will have life and because Jesus and the spirit of Jesus is more powerful, you won't have to worry about evil spirits if you belong to Jesus. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. In other words, the natural state of man is under the authority of the enemy. He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. What is it saying here? It's saying, look, there are two authorities, two powers, two poles in the spiritual world. And by default, you're under the authority and under the power of the evil one. But because of God's grace and goodness to you, he has made a way for you to cross over into forgiveness and life and protection under the umbrella of God's power. So do that. Say yes, surrender to him. Therefore, I am not afraid of evil spirits. I take them seriously. I want to make sure that I avoid giving any kind of space, any kind of foothold to the enemy in my life. But I don't have to be afraid because I'm a part of God's kingdom. I'm a son of, the, of my heavenly father. I belong to him. And therefore, I am under his protection. And that's the most practical step. Make sure, where do you stand? If there has never been a time where you haven't said yes to Jesus, yes to his forgiveness because of what he did on the cross, yes to his lordship, put yourself under his umbrella of authority, then you are safe. You have transferred out of the kingdom of death and darkness and into the kingdom of light and life. And in the same way that over here, the enemy wants to demonize you, wants to destroy you, wants to harm you. When you move into God's kingdom, he gives you his Holy Spirit and his Holy Spirit gives you life. And so that's why in Ephesians 5, 8, it says, don't be drunk with wine. That'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with, be controlled by, be influenced by the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit be the controlling influence in your life. 
So that's why the bottom line application is this, to say yes to Jesus and Lord. If you've never done that before, then put a double circle around say yes on your check-in card. That'll let us know that you're doing this for the first time and that you want to follow Jesus so we can celebrate that and so we can resource you in your new life with Jesus. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time and you're just saying, I want to again affirm, this is, he's the, this is the path that I'm on. I'm under his umbrella of protection. I'm going to reject evil and everything associated with it. I'm following hard after Jesus. I'm going to be wholehearted with Jesus. Say yes to Jesus. And then wrapping it up, last verses of this passage. As Jesus is getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Let me stay with you. Interestingly enough, Jesus says this, no, go home to your family, tell them everything the Lord has done and how merciful he has been. And this is, to me, just another, another emphasis of hope at the end of the story. Here is a man who is self-destructive, uh, completely at the mercy of evil spirits, had no hope and no future. He encounters Jesus and Jesus rescues him and not only rescues him from his past but writes a new ending to his story gives him purpose gives him future gives him a job to do to go and tell everything the lord has done for you and how merciful he has been you <clears throat> excuse me and everybody you know no matter what state they're in no matter what their past god can turn it around and give you purpose and hope and use you for his purposes if you will let him say yes to Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, no doubt every one of us have encountered people that we wonder if they are too far gone, if they're beyond hope. And sometimes it's the person that we look at in the mirror that we wonder about. But Lord, here we see in this story, your power, your love, your mercy overcomes everything. Lord, I pray that you would help us to draw near to you, to say yes to you, that we will embrace the hope that you give, the fresh starts that you provide, and just allow you to write a new ending, the next chapter of our story. We say yes to you. And Lord, I pray for each one of us, myself included, that you would show us if there's any adjustment that we need to make, anything that we need to remove from our life, exclude from our life, and that you would fill us with your spirit, with your power, with your grace. Lord, show us each what we need to do in response to today's message and then give us the faith, the courage to act accordingly. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So just a reminder, you're welcome to hang out after uh, we circle up and discuss what we've talked about today. That's often one of the best parts of the Sunday morning experience. I hope that you will take advantage of that. If you're watching online, feel free to do the same thing in the chat or just in your home and your watch together group, whoever you are with. Make sure that you talk it out so that we can live it out. Have a great week.